0: Well, hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of On Grace, coming in hot with Goose and Maverick, Mm. Wendell Van Valen, and Wayne Hunter, and I am your flight controller. (laughs) I thought you were going to say flight attendant. (laughs) Flight attendant. Oh, you're so lovely today. And these gentlemen are here to take your breath away with another episode. Kind of a mixed metaphor, because... Yeah. That's okay. We should redo that opening, I think. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Jason Brown, (laughs) and here we are. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm Wayne. Yeah, boy, (laughs) don't talk so much, Wayne. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm Wendell. Uh, Today, let's talk just a little bit, and and, uh, this could take just a little while to unpack before we can even talk about it, but um, I'm teaching a lesson this Sunday night in our ministry we call Pathway, and... And the subject of the lesson or the topic of the lesson is, so what was that Jesus thing? So it kind of prompts you to wonder, why did God do that? Uh, What is unique about the whole Jesus event? And so in thinking about that, I began to think about, uh, to the Old Testament, the first view we ever get of God. In the New Testament, the first view we ever get of God is Jesus. But in the Old Testament, the first view we get of God is the Creator who just comes on the screen with this raw display of power. Let there be light. Boom. There it was. Let there be a universe. Boom. There it was. Let there be animals, lakes, rivers, humans. Boom. Just with the word of his voice. Um, so there's just this raw power. And so that's the first view humanity had of God. Their initial contact with God is, wow, he's got power. And so, Wayne, you had some ideas about how that played into the temptation of Eve.
2: Well, I, I and we talked about this, you, you were talking about this, about how God sets this scene, and his intent uh, with this display of power is to, make, is to win the hearts of his people. Yeah well but to,
1: he basically created a nursery to put his yeah, kiddos in right. and it was supposed to be really nice for right them. about yeah. beauty
2: and yeah. wonder yeah. and all that would be attractive to them yeah uh, sometimes i think we when we talk about the power of god we almost it almost it scares us yeah. and causes us to kind of draw back when his intent has always been for that power to be attractive to us yeah uh, to be expressed in beauty and wonder and those things that would uh would win our hearts yeah. Uh, in a way. And so uh, maybe uh, Eve and Adam are living in this, this setting, and when um, she finds from the snake that may— you know, the snake hints at that maybe this God of power uh, is withholding something from her, this equality with God that he can give them with the fruit, uh, then— She recognizes that that power, maybe the God who has all that power may not always use that for good. And so maybe I need to defend myself from God or protect myself
1: from the God who has that much power. And yet withholds part and doesn't tell me about it. Right. Yeah. He's sneaking around and doing something that might not be for my good.
2: Yeah. And so maybe uh, when they were hiding from his presence, it was that fear yeah he is a powerful God and now it has gone from beauty and wonder to guilt and shame and the fear that he will use that same power against them uh, when he only wanted it to to draw yeah. them, not to
1: cause them to hide. well and then we also uh, before we got started here today, we were talking about just kind of the God's track record all through the Old Testament where he he had maybe smaller displays, but albeit Pretty significant displays of power: the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, the manna every day, the quail every day. Um, I mean, you could you could. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lengthy list of. Uh, it's just not a coincidence. It's divine mm-hmm. power on display. Right. So, and 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 in every time, it was never an adversarial move against his people. It was always. To draw them in, or to protect them, or provide for them, should have won their hearts. But for some reason, they always yeah. mistrusted him. Right? Because if you if they ever sinned, if you're going to put a title on their collective sin, it was it always seems to go to mistrust. Mm-hmm. They don't trust him. Right. And so, and so the the next step in in unpacking this idea today for the discussion is that when Jesus, when God shows up again. He doesn't show up as a creator. He shows up as a baby, an extremely vulnerable, uh, small, insignificant baby. And he lives his life under the radar. And then when he comes on the scene, he does just enough flexing to say, yeah, I'm the same God, very same mm-hmm. one. Right. I mean, one of you all try to change water to wine right. or walk on water. Or heal leprosy, or whatever. Stop the wind and the storm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and try that because you won't be able to do it. So I am the same God. This isn't a hoax. This isn't a a myth. I'm the same God. So now that we've established that I've got the power, watch what I do with this. Mm -hmm. And so the next thing we see is him bringing little babies up onto his lap or getting down on the floor and washing the feet of guys that we're going to betray and deny and everything, you know hanging from a cross dripping of blood with the nails in his wrists and looking down at people who are taunting and, and saying God forgive him." yeah so the, so he let it be known I've got that same power right and this is what I'm yeah this is what I'm doing with it yeah
2: And his intent was the same as at the beginning was to win
1: the hearts of his people if I'm lifted up I will draw, draw. right you know right yeah yeah we're catching you cold with this JB what are you thinking <laughs>
0: I'm pretty astounded, actually, <laughs> at, the <laughs> at the depth here. <laughs> yeah, most people are. I mean, at the <laughs> <laughs> we do do autographs. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, I'm j- I'm just um, the idea of power as invitation, or using your power invitationally. I'm pretty fascinated by that. I'm yeah. just chewing on it here. We don't
2: see that too much, do we? Right. But I think, I you know, his ability to, to be this God of power and then to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve, there must have been something about that that was, the using it for attraction, that would make it would, speak to. I don't know, maybe when they see his power in nature, they would recognize how powerful his love for them was, was his hope.
0: Let me ask a question, if I may. Some folks get hung up on that God does not wield his power in 2018 in a way that they would prefer, maybe. And I don't mean that as like a um, manipulative way. I mean, I'm picturing like a parent... Who is watching their child suffer yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and is calling out to God? God, heal my yeah. my baby boy or my baby girl, mm-hmm. and that
2: doesn't yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it in a in a sense, I th- I think we have the assumption that that we should readily count on God to always answer those prayers because of the old testament display of power and even Jesus displays of power in the new testament but to me the greatest display of power in the new testament is is the is love is self sacrificial love and in my case when my first wife died of cancer when i was 30 29 30 what blew me away cuz i mean i asked and a lot of people did, that she would be healed. But what blew me away is immediately following her last breath. I was completely surrounded by God's love in a way that I can't explain, and I just can't explain it. And that was not a consolation prize. It was the prize. It was like, oh, my, you know. And so it was the power of God Not displayed in, let me fix this immediate problem. But it was the power of God displayed in embracing, encompassing, literally breathtaking, overwhelming love. And I think that the church has kind of misled a lot of people into thinking, if God has all this power and he doesn't give you what you want, there's something wrong with this picture.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that that we talk about Jesus being the fulfillment, or the uh, of this whole relationship with God and thing, um, and so I think there is that element that the power is not all there is, and even from the beginning, I think it says in Scripture somewhere the the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth that there was always going to be this another expression of yes. of God's love. Yes. and so that power is not all of it not even the best part of it the best part of it was still coming mm-hmm. and so when we we talk about you know God performing these miracles of power to heal or to provide or whatever it is that lo- that looks like love and sounds like love um and is can be love but there is this the sense in which it is not The best part of love, evidently.
1: Or the best expression of love. Yeah, maybe
2: the best expression of it.
1: And and then you have to ask the question. I'm sitting here thinking about this. You have to ask the question, is the cross God's final word on love? And I'd have to say no, because then you have Pentecost, Mm -hmm. where God says, if you want to see love, you're going to see it up close and personal. I'm going to literally live inside of you. This love is going, going to become very intimate and mm-hmm. very much like a partnership, and right. we're going to co-write these stories together.
2: Yeah, and also there is there is that promised day when the kingdom of God will come on earth as it is in heaven. That that will be an expression of that love, too, or a different experience of yeah. that love for us. And, that you know, I don't mean to lessen what people experience in the loss of a child or a spouse, or those kinds of things, and don't don't pretend to understand what that's like, um, and so I don't don't mean to belittle that. By,
1: by what I'm going to interrupt just a second. Everybody needs to know that Wayne has worked for years in in the funeral business and in hospice, so he understands death and grief. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I just I, want them to right, know that you're yeah. not just saying this off the top of your head. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I'm, I have been around. Enough death, enough to understand that is a is a profound question that people ask. Yeah, it's. Um... I think it's kind of the same way in our relationships. We uh, are. How can we express love to people? Not just in ways that are powerful, but how can we do it in powerful ways? But also, how can we do it in ways that are more um, a giving of ourselves? When we talk about grace, we, we talk about that as the willingness to be present with someone mm. and vested in this moment mm-hmm. and to, uh, to let the focus be on them and not on us. And, and so that kind of fits this idea that that grace is this expression of love that doesn't look like power but is really powerful mm. in what and the impact it can have in a person's life as we extend that, uh, extend grace, which means offer them ourselves, in some senses lay down our lives for to be part of what's
1: going on in their life
2: in those moments.
1: It, it, it's presumptuous to speak for God, but I almost wonder if the way God might see it is that there is no difference between power and love. Yeah, Love is power. Power is love. There's no... Oh, watch what I can do. And then a minute later, I'll come up here and get a hug. It's, it, yeah. There's no, there's no difference between the two to him. And then if that was true, then that would change the way we do our relationships with each other. That anything I do with you, for you, through you, whatever word you want to use there, um, I want the best for you. Yeah. I, You know, this isn't about me creating a more comfortable world for myself. Right. It's about me wanting the best for you.
2: Yeah. That we use our power to express love. Kind of, you know, I kind of go back and forth about God's intention in this whole thing. Is it to create a world that worships him or is it to create a people who he can love? you know and i we sometimes think he's using his power to create a world that will worship him. Yeah. When i think the reality is he's he's using his power to create a people he can love. Yeah. Which in in my head sounds like a big difference. I think it's a huge difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah, i get the sense that in the old testament and in places in the new testament there's a power is defined power is defined or put on display by what what can be controlled and so then as we come to understand it oh, that's yeah. good it's we sort of um, mistake love for the same thing for, right. for the ability to, to control something right like i mean i'm, I'm oh, thinking that's good. i'm thinking yeah. specifically like i'm i'm like god is controlling creation god is controlling um, these things in egypt you know the 10 plagues mm-hmm. god is controlling uh, the pillar of fire right you know and and then in the new testament there are certainly places where jesus demonstrates power with control over exorcisms or walking on water or whatever but by and large i think he redefines um, power uh, not in the exercise of control but the exercise of uh, maybe not controlling like by the exercise of love. Yeah. yeah.
1: Surrender and self-sacrifice. Yeah. 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 And That's I mean, he good. even said at the end to somebody, I forget the exact place, where he said, you do realize that I have a whole legion of angels I could call upon. Mm-hmm. You realize, was it a was conversation with Pilate? Yeah, I think so. Because he was kind of talking about you, you think you have power you don't even know. Um, so he, he made it clear, I can do your brand of power. I can flex with the best, well, I can flex way better mm-hmm. than the best of you. But my brand of power says, no, I will willingly lay down on that beam and let them drive the nails. I will surrender power because this is the greatest power. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about it, the church has tried to use coercion, standards, laws, guilt, shame. The church has tried to use all kinds of things to transform the hum- transform the human heart and God has been screaming for centuries, only my love will transform the human heart. Right. And, and we've, we've got to get that, that people are loved to a better place, not directed or legislated or coerced to a yeah. better place. Right.
0: We recognize grace is an ongoing conversation, and we're really grateful that you have been a part of this one. My name is Jason Brown. I've been with Wendell Van Valen and Wayne Hunter. The three of us serve as pastors at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You can find out more about us and Broadway at broadwayunited.org.